0: Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Do me a favor. Turn to somebody. Give them a high five and say, welcome to church. (laughs) Now turn to the one that you weren't planning on turning to, you know, your second choice. Look at them and say, hey, you look like you need a little church today. (laughs) You picked a great weekend to be here. We're in our fourth week of our series called Radical, and in this series, we talked about the fact that the word radical has been a word that's kind of transformed. It doesn't mean today exactly what it started out meaning. Uh, Today, when we think of radical, we think of things like extreme and over-the-top and edgy or excessive. We say, that person is a radical, but it actually, the original word came from a 14th century word, radicalis, which means from the root or returning to the root. And so that's what this series has been about, It's kind of returning to the roots of what we believe. And we've been talking about how to deepen our roots in the Lord. In week one, we talked about radical gratitude. And that just, there's something about being thankful in all things. Man, it just changes the way we view life. It changes our attitudes. It changes our thought process. It's so powerful when we become grateful. In week two, we talked about radical faith and what it means to be a person who is rooted deeply in faith and how amazing things can happen when we have that kind of faith. Last week, we talked about radical joy, and we talked about the fact that sometimes in this crazy world that we live in, things are going a thousand miles an hour, and there's difficult things, and we're dealing with hardships and struggles and, you know, imperfect, an imperfect world, and how when you have joy, joy can keep you strong through everything. Joy is what gives you the power to endure. So that was the first three weeks. If you missed any of those weeks, you can go online to coastcommunity.org and just click on the message tabs. It'll come right up there on your uh, smart device or your uh, computer. Or if you want, you can go to iTunes or Google Play and you can catch it on the podcast. So today I want to talk about radical love. Radical love. Ephesians 3.17 says this, May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. I've been thinking about love a lot uh, this past week. As many of you know, this has been kind of a, uh, a tough season for our family. We've suffered some loss during this season. Uh, most of you know that my, my mom uh, passed away earlier, uh, not too long back. And then on Monday, my brother-in-law, Chuck, who has spoken here many times, uh, went home to be with Jesus after a hard battle with leukemia. And uh, we are, we're, we're missing him. My sister Beverly's here. I love you. And I'm glad that you're here. But uh, we'll be posting the funeral times on the uh, website. Uh, but uh, it will be at First Baptist Church in Milton, Sunday, September 22nd. That's two weeks from today at 2 o'clock, if any of you would like to go. You know, I was thinking back... To Some of the time that I was spending in the hospital with mom when she was there, and I had a lot of time to think about things because you know, there towards the end, she wasn't able to communicate. So I just sat and held her hand. And, and during those times, I thought about love, and I, I thought about life, and I thought about dying, and I thought about legacy. I have a poster in my office uh, at home uh, from the movie Braveheart, greatest movie of all time, right? <laughs> right? If, if you don't believe it, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, I love that movie so many leadership lessons and things like that but the tagline on the poster is the tagline from the movie and it says this every man dies but not all men really live I believe that I believe that with all my heart the Bible tells us that when Jesus came Jesus said I have come that you might have and have it more abundantly another translation says I've come that you might have life and experience it to the full But see, I would argue that most people miss it, that most people don't live the abundant life that God has for them. And I would argue that you really can't have the abundant life that God has for you if you don't learn how to fully, really, radically love. It's, it's, It's part of it. So today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about radical love. And my prayer this morning is that God would show up and teach us how to love in a radical way. That when we walk out of here, we would be different than when we walked in. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm praying. In 1 Corinthians, uh, the famous chapter, Paul writes about love in the 13th chapter. And it's so powerful. It's so impacted so many lives. We call it the love chapter of the Bible. And after describing what love looks like, Paul closes the love chapter with this. There are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is it's love. It's love. Now, why is that? Why is love the greatest? I'll give you a couple of reasons. Uh, First off, it's because it's what I long for. I mean, think about it. Deep inside of each and every one of us, there's this desire to be loved. It's a universal need. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to feel valued. Love is dynamic, to all relationships, whether it's husband and wife, mother, daughter, father, son, Lassie, Timmy. I mean, you know, all of those kinds of, right? I mean, it's just, it's a dynamic relationship and love makes it stronger. And all of us have examples in our life of what life looks like when love is absent. I mean, we know the damage that can be done to a heart When love is not there. See, you and I, we may be different in so many things, but one thing that we all have in common is that deep down inside of every one of us is this desire to be loved. There's another reason why love is the greatest. Write this down. It's because it's what I need to change my life. There's no debating the thought that love changes us. Being able to wake up and go, you know what, I know that I am loved. And it's powerful. And see, ultimately, it's God's love that transforms us and causes us to change. You can't change on your own. You change because of love. It impacts you. It makes your life better. A third reason is because it's what I can pass on to others to leave a legacy. To leave a legacy. Now, I got a question. What are you going to leave as your legacy? A lot of times we think about legacy and we think about it's what we're going to pass on to the next generation. But see, legacy is also about us. What is my legacy going to be? What am I going to be remembered by? When your life is over, what are people going to say about you? That's legacy. And so what I'm asking today is that you would just consider that as you and I go out into the world, that we would become more bold in the way we love the world around us, and that we would pass that love on. We're creating a legacy as we do that, a picture of who we are and what we've done and what God has done in our life and and showing why he put us on this planet. Faith, hope, and love, and love is the greatest. Why? Well, because in heaven, in eternity, you're not going to need faith, right? You're not going to need faith because God's going to be there. You're going to be in his presence. You won't need faith to believe because he's there. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> preach, 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 peach, pastor. Yeah, in, in heaven you're not going to you're 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 not going to need hope because everything you want is is provided, but in heaven you will need love because the Bible says that God is love. It says it in First John four eight. For God is love. So, if today is your first time here, if you're a first time guest at Coast, let me just uh, say this to you. Give it a few times, right? <laughs> it, it's like a restaurant, right? You've you, you got to go at least three or four times, but you won't be able to hang out very long without feeling love. I mean, when you walk in the door, we have these people. We call them greeters because, you know, lovers didn't sound right. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just. <laughs> When it was a little dicey. And so, but they're the friendliest people on the planet, right? And when you come in, you just feel the love. You're walking in, and people are greeting you, and you're thinking, man, am I at Walmart? What's going on here? Right? And, you know, you're just not really sure. And then you come into the auditorium, and we're singing about love, and you're sensing love from other people, and you're hearing about God's love. And after a while, you, you just you start to open up your heart and let God fill it with His love. And when He fills you with His love, here's what you're going to sense from the Holy Spirit. Is that I am not to be a container of love, I'm to be a conduit of love. In other words, I'm not just soaking up love for myself. I experience God's love. It changes my life. It's what I long for. And then all of a sudden, I become a conduit of love. It starts to pass out of me to the people around me. I'm a conduit. And the Bible is very vocal about this. All throughout the Bible, you see this thought that love is action. It's action. It's, it's, it's love is action. It's us doing something. First Corinthians 13:3, show you a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake and be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. James 2. Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? John 13. Jesus speaking. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, that you're my followers. Your love for one another proves that you are a part of God's family. So if you're wondering what a Christian should look like, a Christian should look like love, love, That's how you know if somebody's a follower of Jesus Christ, are they loving. If you look at your life, and your life does not reflect radical love, if you have little or no compassion for the people that are around you, let me tell you something about your faith. Your faith is fiction. It's not real. I want to make sure that everybody gets this, whether this is your first time or whether you've been coming to church your entire life. Your entrance into the kingdom of God, you don't have to be loving to get in all right? You don't have to be a loving person to get in. You can be spoiled and self-centered, narcissistic. You can be a self-absorbed creep, and you can still get in. You don't have to be loving to get in. But how do we get in? Well, by confessing our sins, by a word called repentance, which is just a theological term that means turn around. I was going this way, I was going on my own path, and now I'm turning around and I'm gonna follow God's path for my life, all right? And then you put your faith in Jesus Christ's work on the cross, period. That's how you get in. You don't have to be loving to get in. But the Bible says that the positive proof that you've had a real spiritual transformation in your life is that your love is increasing. Guys, you cannot come into contact with perfect love and it not change your life, right? You just can't. And when it changes you, right, you start to see God's love evident in the way that you relate to the rest of the world. You can't help yourself. It just comes out of you. He pours his love into you, and it just comes out of you. Now, now, in my crazy mind, I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this to you or explain it to you, all right? If, if I were standing on stage, and I had a stick of dynamite, and I lit that stick of dynamite, and I were to swallow it, Um, do you think I would feel it? Yeah, right. Right. And you wouldn't feel it as much as me. Maybe your clothing might, but right. Uh, but there, you would see that there was this explosion in my life. Well, in the same way, you can't swallow the love of God. You can't swallow the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't experience the love that comes from God's perfect work, Jesus' perfect work on the cross, without having some sort of explosion of love in your life that becomes obvious to the world around you. You know Something is different about you. Your family would know. Your friends would know. Your co-workers would know. Your neighbors would know. Everybody would know. Come on, somebody. They would know. You can't help it. All right? Here's the problem, and this is going to hurt a little. In fact, it's, it's going to sting just a little bit. It's been stinging me all week, and I've been looking forward to stinging you with it, right? <laughs> Here's the question. How much, how much concrete evidence of love is there in your life? When you think about it, what does the evidence show? In fact, let's get, get a little more personal. Who in here feels like you could be maybe a little bit more of a loving person? Can I just see your hands? Wow, most of us, right? You know, And you're not alone. So let's get practical. How do you do it? How do you become more loving? How do you do it tomorrow in your job or in your marriage or with your family or with your friends? How do you become a more loving person? How do you deepen your love? I'm so tempted to sing beach, uh, the Bee Gees, right? How deep is your love? Anyway. Here's the first one if you want to write it down if I'm going to deepen my love, I have to do this. I must replace my desire for convenience with obedience to God's ways. I must replace my desire for convenience with obedience to God's ways. Now, this is huge. Why? Because obedience will disrupt your life. Obedience will mess with you. I mean, big time. How many of you love convenience? Can I just see your hands? Oh come on, this isn't a trick question. How many of you do? Yeah, so do I. I mean, we do. We want things to be a little bit more convenient. It's always great when something that you've been doing becomes a little bit easier. It's a little bit more convenient. And so we all love that, right? That's why when you're on TV and you watch those commercials and you see the guy and he's got the easy button, right? You want to push that thing. You say, I need an easy button. You know, God help me. Give me an easy button right? And, you know, so we love that. That's why advertisers understand that. They realize if they make something easier, if they make it a little bit more convenient for you, you're going to pull out your wallet and you're going to buy it and pay for it because we like convenience. I heard recently about a brand new soup that is coming out called a self-heating soup. All you have to do is shake the can, and there's a mixture of water and calcium chloride that kind of explodes inside the soup, and it heats the soup for you. How convenient is that, right? I mean, now I don't have to mess with that tricky microwave, you know, all that button pushing and stuff like that. That's just too hard. Now I can go lay on the couch and shake the can, right? I mean, that's convenient, right? I mean, what could be more convenient? Maybe, you know, if they would invent a can that would shake itself, and then I wouldn't have to do anything right? Just pray that the kids would come by and feed me or something, right? You know, no, it's convenience, all right? Now, what happens when you have to get up from the couch and you have to actually go out somewhere to eat? What's a great place to do that? Well, have you ever been to Sonic? Man, this is great. You don't even have to go through the drive through man. You can just pull up give your roll down your window give your order and they will bring the food right to you i mean it's no you don't have to navigate the drive through you know with the you know gas stop break gas break you don't even have to do any of that stuff they just bring you the food you can focus on the food life is convenient how many of you've been to disney world disney world has this great thing called a fast pass I don't know if you've ever seen these things, but they're amazing. You know, a fast pass is something that it automatically gives you a place in the line, and they will they will tell you when your time is. And when you come in during your time, you don't actually have to stand in line anymore. I mean, that, that's awesome. That's convenient. Pretty soon they're going to have a major D. You know, pulley party of two. Your log is ready, right? And and it, you know, it's just it's convenient. All right, now life is all. About convenience for many of us but here's the thing and I want you to think about this until we step back and pause and begin to really look at our infatuation with convenience we'll never realize that our desire for convenience is often at odds with obedience listen to me carefully I want you to get this our desire for convenience can often get in the way of us obeying God why because convenience is often tied to selfishness. And selfishness is never God's plan for obeying him. Now what is God's plan? Jesus gave it to us in Matthew 22. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important Love your neighbor as yourself. You should memorize this verse. You should just write it on your heart. It should just be able to flow out of you. It's just so important. Do me a favor if you're taking notes, I want you to write down these numbers 613. 613. That's the number of Old Testament laws there were. The Pharisees had taken the Ten Commandments and turned them into 613 laws. And so this guy was talking to Jesus, and he said, hey, out of all of these laws that you have, these 613 laws, what's the most important? He's trying to trip him up. And Jesus says, okay, let me just give you the Cliff Notes version. He says, I'm going to take all of these things and just boil it down to two things. And you need to pay attention because this is on the final exam. Here's what you need to do. Love God love people. That's it. You just need to love God. Now, why two instead of one? Well, because you can't love God without loving people. Convenience is about my need for speed. But when it comes to obedience and loving people, a lot of times that doesn't happen fast. It's not easy. Love is not easy. Convenience is easy. Love takes time. Sometimes it's messy. Jesus says, love God and love people. So, what is love? I hear people talking about it all the time because we, we say, you know, hey, I love you. you know, but we also say things like, you know, I love tacos and I love Sports Center and, you know, I, mean, I love a good Hot Fudge Sunday, right? I mean, I, so what does love really mean? Well, this is 1 Corinthians 13, and I, I want to encourage you uh, today when you get home sometime in the, the afternoon. Man, just sit down and and take whatever translation of the Bible you're using and just write out this chapter. Just write it out in your own handwriting. Just write it out as a reminder of what love is. Now, this is from the message paraphrase, but it says this. It says, love never gives up. Just never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep the score of the sins of others. Well, you know what you did. No. Doesn't revel when when others grovel. It it takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Man, what if you took that passage and just wrote it someplace and used it kind of like a mirror for your life and say, how am I doing? How am I doing with these things? How am I doing with the way that I love the world? Am I doing love right? So here's what I want to do at this point. I want to take what I'm teaching and put it in very practical terms, all right? I want to give us a test of what we do when we're faced with convenience over obedience, all right, and I want this test to be a little deeper than than you know soup or Sonic Burger or Disney World. You know How does it relate to us in regular real life so i 've got a couple of illustrations I want to give you here 's illustration number one: sometime this week, whether you are a teenager or a senior citizen, you are going to have a conversation with somebody somewhere. And they're just going to be going on and on and on, right? They are just going to keep talking. They won't take a breath. There's no place for you to get in. And you're thinking, man, I just wish they would get to the point. I wish they would land the plane, right? I mean, this is, you know, it's just going on and on and on. And you're trying to figure out what to do. And that's frustrating, right? Come on. Is it frustrating? Yeah, it's frustrating, all right? At some point, you're going to start thinking, what is convenient? What's convenient? Well, what's convenient is for you to interrupt them. What's convenient is for you to stop them. What is convenient is for you to try to get them to the point so that you can get to the most important thing, which is what? Us talking, right? (laughs) That's what's convenient. But what's obedient? Well, just pause and ask yourself that. What is obedient here? If I'm going to choose obedience over convenience, and I'm going to replace those two, what is obedient? Well, the Bible says love is patient. Love is patient. Guys, I'm preaching to myself on this one, you know? So I listen, right? I allow that other person to share their heart with me. I pause. I put them first. That's obedient. Now, I may have to go to the doctor tomorrow because I've bit a hole in my tongue, right? But it's obedient. It's being obedient. Here's illustration number two. In your home, how many of you have little kids? Can I see your hands? Quite a few of you. All right. Well, you know, I mean, you've probably been through this. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and one of your kids has some sort of episode. They're crying. They're throwing up. Whatever it might be, they're making a ruckus. And at that moment, when you hear them, you are called into action. So what is convenience? Pretend you're asleep, right? (laughs) That's convenient. Now, for those of you who are maybe younger and you don't have any kids yet, let me tell you what one of the people normally does. He <laughs> will lay there, even though he hears it, he will lay there and pretend he doesn't, long enough for the wife to get out of bed. And when she gets out of bed, maybe she's put her robe on, right? At that point, he will give an Oscar-nominated performance. He will say, something wrong? You want me to get up, right? What's he doing? He's getting, he's getting points for being willing without having to sacrifice, all right now well, that's universal that's how life works that's convenient but in that moment what is obedient the bible says i'm to love my wife like christ loves the church without condition that means that i'm to sacrifice and to serve her even when i'm tired that's obedience that's obedience. All right, here's illustration number three. How many of you, your kids are older, and you don't have to deal with something like that? All right, let me just see your hands. Quite a few of you. Okay, this one's for you. All right, let's, let's say you're married, and one of you says, I think we should talk more. <laughs> all right? I just, th- I would like us to talk more, all right? Now, let's pretend that person is the woman. <laughs> I know that's a stretch of the imagination, right? All right, but just for the sake of the thing, right? And so the guy says, talk more. Man, I'd rather do anything than talk more, right? right, Because we all know that in this talking thing, according to studies, that women speak about 20,000 words a day, guys about 12,000. And so by the end of the day, we come home, we've used up all our words, right? And they're still wanting to talk, and they'll, they'll talk about everything, right? And guys will answer with just one word, you know, yes, no, okay, hungry, sex right you know whatever it is in that moment of discussion what is convenient well here's what's convenient man i'm so tired i just want to lay on the couch and turn on the television and listen to somebody talk i mean that's that's sort of the same thing right No. (laughs) instead in that moment ask yourself what would be obedient the bible says to honor one another to outdo one another in showing love. In that moment, I need to put the needs of the other person above my own. Is that difficult? Well, yeah, look, I mean, nod your head. Absolutely, it's difficult, right? But that's why we're talking about it, that's why we're dealing with it. Some of you say, well, okay, well, Robert, Mr. Preacher Man, what about this? All right? What about when I don't feel like it? All right? What, what in that moment when I'm choosing obedience over convenience? I just don't want to. I don't want to be obedient. I don't feel very loving at that moment. What about then? What about when I don't feel like it? I know exactly what you mean. It's happened to me. Back a few months ago when mom was in the hospital, before she actually moved into hospice and she was just kind of in her room, uh, I was spending a lot of time with her there at the hospital. And and I I had been there all day, and I decided I was going to go home, get some rest. And, and so I was leaving and leaving the hospital, and I was headed to the parking garage, which at this particular hospital is like it's in another county or something, right? <laughs> and I felt, you know, I, I'm, I'm walking, I'm tired, it's late, my feet hurt, my back hurts, I'm emotional, right? It's just the way I am and I look as I'm coming out, and about 30 yards in front of me coming towards the hospital is this woman coming into the hospital. She's pregnant, and she is bringing luggage. I don't mean an overnight bag. I mean, she is carrying luggage, right? Like her husband is Joey Samsonite or something, right? I mean, she's pushing 10 months pregnant, and she's got all this stuff, like, like, like igloos and dog houses and Cases of self heating soup. I mean, it was just, she's moving in to the thing and she's struggling with all of this, right? And I look at her and I know in my mind that I should help her, but I don't want to. <laughs> Y'all remind me to schedule times to explain the amen moments. <laughs> I didn't want to, right? And and the more I thought about it, I started to get a little ticked off. I mean, really, honestly, I'm mad at the world. I'm thinking, how many people have already passed her by? Why didn't any of them help her, right? And I'm mad at God. God, there's six billion people on this planet. And God, you know what kind of day I've had. You know, why couldn't somebody else? You know what I'm feeling right now. I don't want to help her. I'm mad at her. I'm thinking, why didn't you plan better? You knew this was coming, right? (laughs) You had nine months or so, ten, <laughs> to get ready, you know. Why didn't you do something? See, basically, helping her was not convenient for me. I didn't want to. But isn't that how love is supposed to work? I mean, is that, is that what it's supposed to be like? I know you're thinking because I'm a pastor, I should be going, hey, just let me help you. Let, let me just overflow with this joy that just supernaturally comes out of me. But sometimes, Doesn't work like that, right? Now, just in case you're wondering, I did help her. All right? No, no, no. Because it brings up a question What if it's not joyful, right? What if it's not done with the right motives? Here's a question for you to chew on this week If I don't want to and I don't have the right motives, is it still love? good question, right? What did Jesus say? Love God, love people. See, if that's the marker of being a follower of Christ, and I claim to be a follower of Christ, then I better get into the habit of putting the well-being of other people in front of myself. Come on, somebody. That's the way we've got to be. That's what love looks like, whether I feel like it or not. It's not based on my feelings. It's based on my obedience. It's not based on what's convenient. It's based on being obedient, And when you're obedient in love, you change the world. When you're obedient in love, when you put obedience over convenience, you're going to rock the planet around you. That's just the way it goes. See, if I just stand around with my hands in the pocket waiting for the, the love breeze to kind of blow my way, right, to make me feel more loving, guess what? It's not going to happen. The love breeze is always blowing in a different direction. See, what I'm saying is this. Love is a choice. Love is an act of the will. Right. It's an action. It's an intention. It may or may not be accompanied by warm, fuzzy spiritual feelings. In that moment, I choose to obey God. I choose to do the right thing. I choose it even if I have a bad attitude, even if I have the wrong motive. And God can take that action and turn it into love through the obedience to Him. So important. So good. Man, that's what we want. All right? And you know what he does for me then? He begins to shape my heart and mold me, to change my character and my heart. So I begin to choose obedience over convenience. If you love me, right? That's what he says, he, I, I really wish I had a better way to say this because, man, being obedient to Jesus, obeying Jesus is a big, big deal. It's so important. It's everything. John 14, Jesus says this, if you love me, obey my commandments if you love me do it then in john uh, first john five loving god means keeping his commandments and really that isn't difficult what you ever had one of those moments where you read a scripture and you shake your head that isn't difficult what are you saying i mean if you're like me it is right there are many times in my life where i feel like obeying anything but god I want to obey my desires. I want to obey my impulses. I want to obey my hungers, my cravings, my thirst. Not God, right? Convenience over obedience. And by the way, just so that you're not confused, I'm not saying that all convenience is bad. We want things to be easier, right? I'm talking about those moments where you choose convenience over, to what, over what God is telling you to do. Convenience over obedience, all right? When you choose convenience in those situations, you need to ask yourself, am I choosing convenience because I'm being selfish? And if so, then ask yourself this, what would prove that I love God and I love people in this moment? What would show it? See, I've learned over the years that the actions of love, they don't have to be big and dramatic to be love. You don't have to do build somebody a house kind of love. I mean, it could be just little simple things, right? Right? just little things. And it, it could be done in small things like verbal love, like telling somebody, I love you. I love you. I just want you to know I love you. The power of communicating that. And some of you are going, yeah, but I, I feel really uncomfortable with that, Robert. I, I have trouble expressing my uh, emotions. I'm, I'm not very good at it. Grow up. Get good at it. Become good at it. People need that. Not, not the, oh, well, I told her once I loved her. If I ever change my mind, I'll tell her. No, that's not enough. That's not how it works. Those of you that are dads here, dads, if you are not telling your children that you love them on a consistent basis, in my opinion, uh, this is, I, this, this is just me speaking, you're blowing it badly. You're messing up. There's so much power when a dad tells a child that he loves them. Just saying it is so powerful. Say it. I told our daughter from the time that she was little, there's going to be some people that you're going to meet in life, and they're they're going to wonder if anybody ever loves them. But you're not going to be one of those people because you're going to know all your life that you are deeply loved. You're deeply loved by God, and you're deeply loved by your mom and I. You are deeply loved. Say it. Say it. And then show it. Man, physical love, affection, a touch. And I remember when I was sitting with mom and she was in hospice and she had, by this point she had stopped communicating. I just held her hand, you know. Man, I, I knew she knew I was there. I knew she could feel it. I just held her hand. And it was precious to me. It was my last period of time with her. When I came to see Chuck the last time, I held his hand and I told him, I said, I love you, man he squeezed my hand you know he was having trouble talking but he squeezed my hand Man, touch is powerful presence presence is another way to communicate love the power of presence i can't tell you man i I experienced this so much when we were at the hospital with mom and so many of you came and you just came and you just sat with us you didn't have to say a whole lot just being there meant so much to our family it spoke volumes there's another category you could call small acts of kindness, you know, that can include a lot of things. and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because I'm going to talk about it some in, in next week's message. But let me just say this, when you look for opportunities to be kind to people, just to show God's love to people, it could be something as simple as a smile or opening a door for them or, you know, helping somebody in need, doing something kind, doing something thoughtful, Seeing a neighbor who's maybe struggling and and just needs a little bit of help and you go mow their lawn for them or, or something like that. When you do those small acts of kindness, man, God shows up. He meets the person's need with that act of love. Whatever need they have, you might not even see, right? And so God uses that. And he begins to mold you and make you more like him where you just naturally choose obedience over convenience. That's the biggie. That's the message. All right so how do i do it how do i deepen my love here's the second one this one's going to go really quick but n- <clears throat> number two i'm a soak in god's love and constantly be filled up be constantly filled up because if you don't do that man you're going to have nothing to give think about it like this think about your life as kind of like a spiritual bucket i know that's weird but i think in pictures all right Think of your life as a spiritual bucket, and then think of God as this fountain of love. All right. So if my life is a bucket, then I've realized what I've got to do is I've got to get as close as I can to that fountain on a regular basis. I've got to get filled up. Because if I'm not filled up, then as I maneuver through life, whether it's with my family, with the community, or a church, or wherever, if my bucket is not full, I'm not going to be a very loving person. If my bucket's not full, I'm going to always lean towards convenience over obedience. So you need to find time each week <clears throat> just to soak in God's love. You need to find those opportunities. You can do it here on a Sunday morning. You can do it at home, man, just, you know, listening to worship music or, or you know, listening to you know, teaching online. You're doing your quiet time in the morning that sort of thing. You can listen to worship in your car. Just make it happen. Figure out ways that on a daily, consistent basis that you are soaking in God's love. And as you soak with God's love, here's what I want you to walk away with. I want you to walk away with three images of what that love is like. The first thing you need to know is that God's love is personal. It's personal, meaning God loves you regardless of your past. No matter what you've done, no matter how badly you may have blown it at some point in your life, God loves you anyway. He loves you, all right? It's personal. He loves you. It's not based on your performance. God loves you. He knows you. It's personal. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, God, who needs nothing, loves into existence holy superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. God's love is personal. He knows everything about you. He knows everything. Nothing's hidden from him. Jesus said in John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. I know them. It's personal. One of the great Bible passages tells us that God has numbered every hair on our head and he knows them. And if you lose one, he knows it. Now, my experience is he doesn't replace it, but he does know it. All right, you know what I'm saying? Here's the second thing you need to know, and that is that God's love is transformational it's transformation. If you're trying to change your life on your own, it's not going to happen. It's God's love that changes us. It compels us to live a different life. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, "If anyone belongs to Christ, there's a new creation. In other words, you're transformed. The old things have gone, everything has been made new." I love that. The Revised Standard Version of it says it like this: "If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation." The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. I love that image. That's what God's love is. It's transformational. It compels us to change. It compels us to love. Second Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us. Now, see, I'm not compelled to love you on my own. I'm not compelled to do anything on my own other than take care of myself. But it's God's love that compels me to be different. It's God's love that's transformational. Here's the third one. God's love is sacrificial. His love is sacrificial. God proved his love by sacrificing his son, Jesus Christ, so that I might win, so that you might win. We understand sacrifice a little bit, but probably not to that extent. Romans 8 says this, The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. And he's talking about the Ten Commandments here. We couldn't live up to them because we're we're sinful, right? It says, but God put into effect a different plan. And here's the plan. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except ours was sinful. God destroyed sin control over us by giving his son as the sacrifice for our sins. Some of you this morning you're looking at your life you're living by your plan and that might be a good plan it might be a financial plan <clears throat> or a retirement plan or a strategic plan it might be a family plan but it's not God's plan it's not going to ultimately lead to life God said I want to give you a different plan and I'm going to sacrifice so that you can embrace the plan and here's the great challenge Ephesians 5 live a life filled with love for others following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because the sacrifice was like a sweet perfume to him. Guys, what would it look like? What would it look like if we were to leave here today and just go out to our families and express the love that we talked about today? What would it look like if you went back to your job and to your school and to your neighborhood, to your friends, and you were just more loving? What would happen if you took radical love into all of your relationships? And it would change your life. You could make life a better place. I've got one more scripture. It's not in your message notes, but it will come up on the screen. And it's one that I've been thinking about all week. I just sometimes... You know, you get a, a scripture and you just dwell on it. It just kind of works inside of you all week. This one's been doing that for me. Paul's writing. He's writing to the Corinthians. In the first part of Corinthians, he had to straighten them out on some personal church issues, some things they were doing wrong. Then he taught them about love. And then when he comes to the end of it, he says, listen, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And then listen to this. Do everything. Do everything in love. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I just thank you so much. Here we are, Lord. We're coming before you. We're looking at our lives. and We're looking at how we deal with convenience compared to obedience. We're looking at how are we at this thing called love? How are we doing? I want you to take a moment and just examine your heart. How are you doing with love? Are you loving your family well? That's great. How are you loving your neighbors? How are you loving the people at work? How are you loving the people that you just bump into? The ones who don't know you, they don't know about your faith. Will they pick up pretty quickly on the fact that you're a Christian by the way that you love? We used to sing a song when I first became a Christian that they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. How are you doing? And if you say, Robert, I'm going to be honest with you. This is just me and you. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and you. And you say, Robert, I'll be honest with you, I really need to be better at this. I need to love more deeply. Would you pray for God to to help me love more deeply? If that's you, could I just see your hands wherever you are? Wow. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord, for all of us, my hand included, that said, Lord, we want to love better. We want to be people that are known for our love. We want to be a church that's known for love in the community. Lord, we don't want it to be about anything other than you. We want it to be about you and your love. And we want that to compel us in everything that we do. Father, we want to have those moments where when convenience rears its head and it's directly in in contrast to what you're telling us to do. Lord, we want to choose obedience in that moment. We trust you, Lord. We thank you that you have us and you're going to help us do that. You're going to help us love more. Keep your heads bowed for just a second. Maybe you're here today and the fact is is that you want to love more, but you're trying to do it under your own strength and your own power because you've never opened up a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never said yes to him. You've never invited him in to be the Lord of your life. This is the moment where you can say yes to him. If that's you and you say, Robert, I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord. I've never given him control of my life. I've never done that repentance thing where I turn away from my way of doing things and turn to his. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Can I just see your hand wherever you are? Thank you. I appreciate that. Anybody else? Thank you. Thanks. I want to lead you in a prayer right there where you are. You don't have to pray out loud. God will hear you. You can just pray in your heart. But just say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Lord, I turn away from my way of doing things and I'm turning to you. And I ask you to lead me. Help me. Give me wisdom. Help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a big (laughs) hand? I want to say if you prayed that prayer uh, today, please let us know. Take one of those blue cards and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer with you, Robert, and I'm in it. Also, if you'll go and you'll tell them at the welcome desk, they've got a book for you called Now What? We'd love to put that in your hands free of charge and, and do that for you. So here's my prayer for you this week, is that you would let love, God's love, compel you in everything that you do. And maybe just for this week, just for this week, try this as an experiment. Just say, God, as I go about my day to day, help me to love well. Just help me to love well. Help me to be thinking about it through the day. Help it just to be something that's conscious inside of me. I just want to love better. And then go out and show your love Go and show his love to the world around you. Amen? Amen. 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 A couple of quick things before you go. Next week, Radical continues. I'm going to be talking about radical generosity. And I tell you, man, I'm really looking forward to sharing this message with you. If you are a first-time guest or I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'm going to be in the lobby Uh, after the service. I'd love to say hello. I'd love to just, you know, meet you. And so that'll be here. And then finally, I just want to pray one more prayer for you. This is a a prayer of blessings. one of my great joys as a pastor is to send you out with a blessing. So if you would raise your hands. Father, I pray over every person that's here. I pray that you bless them this week in all that they do. Father, I pray that 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 you would give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Lord, I pray that you would give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. Lord, I pray that your anointing would be on their life in every relationship, in every contact they have with everybody around them and everything you call them to do that it would be anointed and father i pray that you would give them divine opportunities to tell other people the story of what you've done in their life in jesus name and everybody said Amen. Amen. amen